Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Never leave anything unpodcasted. Great. Hello, everybody. Do 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 do. It's time for an emergency episode of Blank Check with Griffin and David. My name is Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. Red alert. Emergency episode. The red mood light. We're recording right now in a in a studio where we only have red lights turned on. Dark, dark, moody lead light. It either looks like an emergency situation inside a submarine, or we're all gonna fuck each other. Yeah, we're on. We're in the. Uh, we're, we're. This is a Crimson Tide two. It does feel like it. Mm-hmm. I'm Gene Hackman. I'm Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. With us, as always, is producer Tony Scott, aka producer Tony Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, emergency episode. Hey, red alert! Red alert! Oh, we know everyone's been waiting for our Christopher Nolan miniseries. Well, you're gonna have to keep waiting. Yeah. One more week. The pod night will cast, but not for another week. What if every week there's a movie as crazy as this movie, so we just keep having... Look, look, we know you want to hear the Nolan. We recorded it six years ago, but we just have to talk about whatever. Can I make you a promise right now? Yeah. If every week there's a movie as crazy as this one, Uh I will murder myself. (laughs) Great. Oh, God. No, please. Hey, don't do that. All right. Anyway. If every week there's a movie as crazy as this, I will leave detailed instructions for how you should murder me. That's what I will do. On the record. On the record. Okay, so emergency episode. A movie's come out this week. Uh, quietly. Yeah, pretty quietly. It tried to just sneak past everyone. Correct. But anyone who saw it can't stop talking about it. Yes, i.e. I- 14 people can't stop talking about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's a movie that ties into certain themes that have been going on with our show. Uh-huh. It's very much a blank check movie. Uh-huh. It's directed by a man who I've often encouraged our listeners to punch uh, in the penis. Attack, yes. To injure. <laughs> and also, also, this man is next going to make a Phantom Menace movie. He's, he's slated make a, to make a, the ninth Phantom Menace movie. He's going to direct a Star War. And and so it, it, there, it, there are overlaps here. Now, this is not a bad movie podcast. It's not like we're just going to, anytime a, a stinker comes out, team up to, to rag on. Right, and I want to make that clear because I feel like that's more my bugaboo than yours. But sure. it's, it's for sure. Yeah, I don't want us to be... A bad movie podcast because I think there's a lot of podcasts that do that really well. Agreed. And we've done, a, you know, our last couple of miniseries have been mostly directors who have a lot of success. Right. And obviously, yes, we've started off as a um, Phantom Menace. You know, you know, we've talked about the Star Wars prequels, yada, yada, yada. But Wachowski, like, Shyamalan, Crow are all people you know, who sort of fell from grace, at least in terms of the court of public opinion. Even then, though, we've always been movie fans first. And that's one of the things that makes our podcast so good. This podcast is called Blank Check, by the way. Right. We try to find something good about every movie. Yeah, we really do. I think we really do. I agree. But you saw a movie at a critic screening on Wednesday, and uh, texted me and said, "I don't, I don't understand this." I it's th- bonkers. It, it's I bonkers. mean, it's bonkers. It felt like a dream I had. And like, then on, you know, when you have a dream that you see a movie, yeah. and then you wake up and you're like, "Oh, that movie didn't make any sense." Like yeah. within my dream, obviously. Like once I dreamed before The Dark Knight had come out. Speaking of Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. I no before the Dark Knight Rises came out. I dreamed that I saw it. Oh, I do that all the time with movies I'm excited for. I, I dream s- them and they don't make sense. Right, I saw it, but it, it was outside and it was like being projected onto the sky. Yeah, and it was called Twenty Years, but more Italians. 
That was the name of the movie. Wow. Yes. Anyway. Well, so like I'll have dreams like that where I like dream that I'm seeing The Dark Knight Rises, but then the second the dream, like in the dream when the movie ends, I walk out of the theater. I'm like, oh wait, that's where the Catwoman wasn't in it at all, because she was in the trailers. And Anne Hathaway is like part of the advertising campaign. It's just like, oh, your dumb memory for a god. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Sorry. You saw this movie and said it's bonkers. It it kind of broke me. And then yeah. I went to go see Captain Underpants, the first epic movie, yeah. by myself on a Thursday in the most on-brand move of all time. Yeah, in the most Griffin thing that's ever happened. Have we introduced ourselves in the name of this podcast? Yeah, I'm Griffin Numier. David Sims is Blank Shack, the Griffin David. Okay, okay. sorry. Producer just, Ben, just okay, the sure. Ben Deucer, okay, the Poet Laureate, okay, the Hobbs, okay, Mr. Positive, okay, the <laughs> Tiebreaker, okay, Birthday <laughs> Benny, okay, Dirtbike <laughs> Benny, okay, Soaking Wet Benny, okay, the, uh, the Meat Detective, the Fart Lover. <laughs> Please go on. Graduated certain tells of course a different miniseries of Kyle Ben, producer Ben Kenobi, this say Benny thing, Ben Shamlon, Ben say the Alien Bens with the Dollar Sound of War Haas. We've introduced ourselves. Yes. Yeah, we're all here. It's all here. I don't know anything about this movie. I've never even heard of it. So I walk out of Captain sure. Underpants and what's starting at the screen right next to mine, yep. the seven o'clock Thursday night first showing publicly of this movie, and I went. I'm t- I gotta do it. I gotta face it. I gotta open the book. Right. Gotta open the book of Henry. And that's what I did. I opened the book of Henry and I texted David and I said, we, we gotta do it. And I said, no, please no. I don't want to. Let's not do it. Because we don't like ragging on movies. Honestly. And I honestly don't, as much as I think Colin Trevorrow is a bad filmmaker. Right. Someone uh, begging to have his penis punched. <laughs> you know, and I'm not a fan. Like, I do get a little sick of the sort of herd or horde mentality sure. that can build up on the internet about certain filmmakers, about certain artists, about certain actors. Yeah. And like, look, the guy made a bad movie. It's not like he's out here a being... Correction, the guy made three bad movies. Sure, but uh, each worse... Well, no, actually, the second movie's the best of them. But, uh, you know... Well, he, I disagree with that. What's... what You think Safety Not Guaranteed is better than Jurassic Park? I do. Uh, all right, go watch Safety Not Guaranteed, my friend. You will you will reverse that opinion. I mean, this is like ranking different no, types of I'm syphilis. serious, because like, I think people are, that's a common, and like, go watch Safety Not Guaranteed. I hate Safety It'll Not Guaranteed. It'll blow your mind how much I you hate it. I hate that movie. Anyway. I like more of that now, movie. Now, listen to me piling on. No, I like Jurassic yeah. Park, because it has dinosaurs in it, <laughs> uh, which are cool, even though they do a lot of things I don't agree with. Uh, P- politically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm politically anti-dinosaur. No, uh, but, but so yeah, so I don't want to be like kicking the guy when he's down, essentially. Agreed. And as I said, we usually, even when we talk about movies that are disastrous, really try to find the silver lining. Well, not them. only that, we're fascinated with the directors. Like George Lucas, M. Night Shyamalan, right. Cameron Crowe, they make bad movies, but we're still like, you know, there was a point in our lives when we were into these guys, or there will be a point again. And as, you know, our, our past... I've never and, been into this motherfucker. As our past and future guest, J.D. Amato, friend of the podcast, has said, he thinks every movie is, is about its director. Yeah. You know? And I still can't fucking crack this guy's psychology. No. It's a mess, but these three movies are very different. Yeah, They're all fucked up in different ways. Mm. There are some similarities. there's some similarities. There are some, but I still can't figure out what the fuck is driving him. I don't either. I don't know that anything is. You know, there are some directors where it's like, you know, maybe probably best not to overthink it because, right. like, in the end of the day, they just want to make movies and they, you know, he's not someone who he writes. Uh, no, he, he only, very much refers to himself as a screenwriter, even though yeah, he hasn't really written on his. He movies. has two writing credits, and it's the two Jurassic Worlds. Uh, he's not the writer of Safety Not Guaranteed or this movie, but I assume he, you know, he had a hand in writing them. But yeah, he's more of a director. 
wants to direct. I Talks of himself as a screenwriter in interviews. I read interviews of his because yeah, I'm look, a masochist. He's a, he's a tough guy in an interview, I'll admit. He doesn't come off great sometimes. But anyway, he made a movie. He made a movie, The Book of Henry. Now, look, I love hyperbole. hyperbole. Some would say I like you hyperbole. Say, you always say it funny. It's just fine. You're carrying. I can't say hyperbole. hyperbole. I can't say hyperbole. I mean, you can if you want. <laughs> no one's stopping you. <laughs> Carry on. I love hyperbole. Yes. Okay? Yes. Some could say I like hyperbole more than anyone else in the world. You're a fan. Oh, here it comes. Here comes some hyper. I just I just figured out what you're setting up. But I walked out of this movie. Uh-huh. And before I walked out, around 30 minutes in, I went, geez, is, it, is this happening? This is my least favorite movie I have ever seen. <laughs> now, uh, Period, full stop, end of sentence, okay. rip out the page, burn it. I disagree, but it is a very bad movie. I'm it's probably it's, the worst film I've seen look, this year. Look, I'm, I'm not saying this is the worst movie ever made. I would never make any claim like that. I will say I have never hated What's watching beating? a movie more. What's it beating? What's it beating? Francis like, Ford Coppola's Jack. That used to be the oh, movie right. I hated watching the most. I think I, I think I hate Jack more than this movie. There's a lot of movies I hate more than this movie for the reason that I wouldn't like a movie like Jack, which is like... Those are similar movies, Jack and Book of Henry. They have a lot of similar qualities that make me hate them. Weird manipulativeness and uh, atonal kind of... Right, like, and this maudlin, like... Right, yeah. sort of quasi Oh, childlike wonder, but with like some really dark kind of psychologically fucked up stuff that it has no control over oscillating between. Really glib humor. Um, Actors punching way below their weight class. Yes. But anyway, uh, it is a very bad film. I wrote a review of it on The Atlantic, uh, where I work. Uh, you can read it. Uh, I think it's a failure of a movie in every way. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, and so, right. And uh, so it's not usually the kind of movie I want to talk about on this podcast. I'll admit, yes, there is something fascinating about like why it exists. Right. Uh, that's probably the only thing that kind of keeps you on board. It kept me on board for the hour, 45 minutes or however long it is. Like where you're just like, what's, what, what does he want what's, from what, us? What's like, the what angle is this trying to convey? What's the play? So here's our plan with this episode. And I, I, I just want to say, I yeah. saw it with Emily Ishida, uh, past mother and of future guest, mother and blankies, one of our greatest, uh, guests. And Armand White, past and future guest. And Armand White. Father of blankies. <laughs> You did sit between. I was sitting between the two of them. And uh, Emily and I were both pretty bewildered by the movie. Uh, we were howling by the end of it, as was Armand. Uh, Howl.fm. Sure. The Widow Howl app. That's one of my favorite weird Scott Arkerman jokes. He calls the Widow Cool app, making the Widow Howl app. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, we were like, Jesus. So we were like, fuck, let's, we got to get, I, I was like, can we get a drink? Like, we got to talk about weird. it. You got to talk about it. And this while we were getting a drink, Emily was talking about the movie. And she's like, you know, that is a blank check movie. That's a blank a check movie. 100%. And is, even though it's like a small budget movie, she's right. It is. It's a weird blank check. There would have been a lot more stop signs if that guy hadn't just made the third highest grossing movie in history. Now, in my opinion, this yeah. is the blank check movie you get to make after making Safety Got Not Guaranteed, which is basically what it was in a weird sort of a way because he almost did make it after in Safety Not Guaranteed. In terms of style and size, well, yes. Not, but, but I think people would have gone like, wait a second, the script is fucked up. Well, I think if... They would have questioned what he was doing Maybe. more if he hadn't made Maybe, Jurassic but we'll World. we'll talk about the script. But, okay. But, but, uh, but, but anyway, 
uh, it is a blank check movie in some sense. Everyone who's fucking tweeting at me all the time telling me how my show works, shut up. I know what goes on my show, not you, you little nerds. But uh, yeah, it is kind of a blank check Wow, movie. people are going to love this episode. Yep. So here's the deal. <laughs> we have both seen this movie. They bullied me into doing this episode. I am going to call them little nerds. I, I, to be fair, I bullied you into doing this. Yeah, you, you definitely did. Uh, we've both seen this movie. Producer uh, Ben has not. No, he has not. To his, I think we told. I said at least in the text convo. Yeah. In the thread, I don't was like, Ben, it. don't, don't see it. It wasn't an obvious. <laughs> have you Have you even seen the trailer? No. So what do you know about this movie? Uh, I know it's called Book of Henry. Perfect. And you know it's directed by Colin Trevorrow, Who, whose I've, Wikipedia you have loaded. Yeah, I just started looking. I, I don't know very much about Colin Trevorrow. Either. There he Great. is. So here's the plan. This is the second episode we recorded today. We rarely do that because it usually makes us go crazy. Right, but we're a little, we're a little crazy. We're anyway. trying to weaponize this. So this is going to be a bonus episode. It's going to aim to be a little tighter than we usually are because it's an emergency. Ben is about to put one hour on the clock. Yeah, Ben, you got ready? Yes. Now we for love sure. our tangents. We love being verbose. We do. Our goal is within an hour to fully explain to Ben what happens in this movie. I think we can do that. We I don't may think it's not, that hard. The plot is very convoluted. It there is. There are a lot of weird wrinkles. But it's it's easy enough to just dis- Yeah. Anyway. Also, we should know I am not cutting anything. Anything. Now. Zero edits. Put the, use the timer, not the stopwatch. Oh. Oh, sure, you're right. Because I want Half like down. an alarm when it goes. Exactly. Tell me when you've started it. All right. So, I wanted to pick the sound. And Ben, if you don't understand something and how we're describing the movie, ask us, okay? Yeah, sure. If anything is confusing, don't let us just be like, anyway, what happens is this. You know, like, if you want to figure something out that we're not conveying, let us know. The goal here is for you to get the the second-hand osmosis experience of having seen the Book of Henry. Right. So we want to see... Same goal for, I would say, some of our listeners. Right. We want to be complete. So any follow-up questions, any clarifications, shoot. Timer started? Starting now. Okay, so it's a Focus Features release. True. uh, Made by Focus Features, which is Branch of Universal, where he made Jurassic World. Right. Uh, Specialty Arm used to be one of the power players in the field, has sort of backed off now. A little bit, but territory. It's more of a distribution company for, like, genre films than what used to be, like, the the studio behind uh, Lost in Translation. Sure, sure. Highbrow Oscar movies, okay? Yes. But that very much tells you what kind of patina he thinks this movie's in. Griffin's favorite word. Karen. Love patina. I heard Ron Perlman use it in an interview once 10 years ago, and I looked it up, and I was like, I'm going to use that whenever I can. Yes, it is a green or brown film on the surface of bronze or similar metals produced by oxidation over a long period. Okay, David, we only have an hour. You don't want me to read the other uh, dictionary? I mean, read the other one so people know why I'm using the word. Okay, okay. No, it's a... Oh, is that why the Statue of Liberty looks like that? Yes, yes. Oh, uh, but anyway, it's kind of the you know the 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 world they play in, right? The the sort of it's like the their palette, the tonal veneer. Yes. yes. Okay. So this movie immediately establishes its own patina, which is like fucking like third rate Amblin. Yes, it sort of has, especially in the beginning, in the title sequence, the the title cards, which is like drawings, drawings that a child of did of like wings and, like and Ferris Rube Goldberg wheels. machines. Uh, You're it, seeing the titular book, the pages of the book, Ben, and they're animated. It has the feeling of an '80s Spielberg movie a little bit, or I would say, yeah, like a '90s kid movie a little bit. Those kinds of like 
what's like a good example? Like Simon Birch. Yes. Like some like movie that maybe a little dark, but also kind of whimsical and intended for you know young viewers. Right, but like not not as much like a supernatural thing as like a radio flyer kind of like. Yeah. I mean, your childhood was tough sometimes. I mean, kind of movie. Right, right. Almost right. like Wonder Years. I mean, it's set now, but it kind of apart from the fact that like. The mom plays a PlayStation 3 yeah. or 4 or whatever. Four. And, like, I guess they have cell phones. But, like, there's not a lot of, like, uh, indication that it's taking place in the 21st century. And, in fact, century. get ready, Ben, because there are some very anachronistic technology in the film. Oh, I like that. Now, the script was written in 1998. The script was written in 1998 by Greg Hurwitz, who's a mystery writer. Right. Uh, like, he writes crime novels and comic books. He's never written a movie that was made until this. But has, like, 20 scripts that have been bought at some point. He's one of those guys who seemingly just writes yeah, a lot of scripts. Yeah, he just makes a lot of money them. in Hollywood selling scripts. Right. He worked on V, the uh, reboot oh, of yeah. V. The epic series. The epic lizard alien movie, yeah. TV show. Um, but, yeah, he's just kind of around. So this script's been kicking around forever. Trevor reads it after Safety Not Guaranteed and goes, like, ooh, I like this. I want to make this next. No, he was given it, to be clear. The okay. studio decided he would be a good fit after Safety Not Guaranteed for this script that was like had this script they had. Been you there know, for a while. Right, right, right. He reads it and he likes it. Yes. And then Brad Bird recommends him, and then he gets thrown Jurassic World, and then he makes that. And now he has like full cachet, and he could do whatever he wants. And he's like, you know what I'm doing? I'm going back to the book, baby. Uh, let me try. I actually have some like, like an interview with. Greg Hurwitz, who went to Harvard. Okay. So this interview was in Harvard's alumni magazine. Great. Uh, He says, he wrote it 18 years ago. It felt like this pure rare thing where I thought of a single mom and two kids in an impossible predicament. And Henry's voice, the protagonist of the film, came very naturally to me. He'd already sold a novel, but this was his first screenplay. It was optioned by a producer called Jeanette Kahn. Have you heard of her, Griffin? No, I mean, just you reading that quote from him I know, made I me know. physically angry. <laughs> and she saw Safety Not Guaranteed. flashbacks to this movie. She saw Safety Not Guaranteed, offers, it to, uh, offers this script to Colin Trevorrow, and yeah. listen to this. Colin meets with Greg Hurwitz and uh-huh. says to Greg Hurwitz, listen, there's only one way I wouldn't do this movie. I had a meeting with Spielberg about doing the next Jurassic World movie, but there's no way that would ever happen with me coming off such a tiny movie, so let's not worry about it. And then a few weeks later, he calls Greg Hurwitz and is like, so I got Jurassic. But then he went back to Book of Henry. And then he, and he says in this convo, maybe I'll be able to do it and then come back and we could make it. But at the same time, he's saying, like, look, I mean, obviously someone else wants to make the movie. I'm not going to, like, Bigfoot you on this. You know, he's like, you know. But, like, you know, he had all the power he wanted. After Jurassic World, for and sure, it led so to him getting hired to, come to make back. Star Wars. Right, it wasn't like he was like he'd signed a deal and it's like you owe me a book of Henry before you go make a Star Wars. You he know, he had what was at that point in time the biggest opening weekend in history, and the film ended up as the number three movie domestically until it was knocked down a peg by by Force Awakens. Fine, but it was a huge hit, humongous. So he could have done anything he wanted, and he said, "I want to go back to Book of Henry. It's burning a hole in my pocket. I gotta make this movie." To be now, to be clear, it was this was announced in March 2015. I've done my research here. So before Jurassic World came out, yeah. it's announced in the Hollywood Reporter, Book of Henry. That's his next project. Of yeah. course, he could have left off of it, but I think he shot this like a while ago. He shot it right the fall he shot it after September Jurassic September 2015, World. right after Jurassic World, and it was supposed to come out September of last year. Yes. 
in an Oscar play. Yeah. Focus then pushes it to summer 2017. Mm-hmm. Weird move for a little $10 million uh, family dramedy. Like, not really an obvious, especially You're leaving opening... like seven genres off of that list. Fine. But go on. But, it, but it, as you sell the movie, I mean. Sure. And especially weird to open it against Cars 3, which is like one of the surefire family hits of the year. After this moment, everything will change. Yeah. <laughs> So that's the production of the Book of Henry. But he makes it. He casts Naomi Watts, Academy Award nominee. Jacob Tremblay, hot off of Room. Hot off of being in Room. You got Jaden Lieberher. How do you say his name? Lieberharder? I don't know. An actor I like a lot. He's in Aloha. He's in Midnight Special. He's in uh, uh, St. Vincent and is the star of the upcoming It remake. Right. He had actually worked with Naomi Watts on St. Vincent. Correct. Uh, which is nice. Uh, and then you've got Dean Norris as the villain of the piece. Sarah Silverman, Lee Pace, Bobby Moynihan. Well, this is the thing, because I only knew about the four we yeah. first mentioned. Sarah Silverman shows up, and I go to Emily, and I go like, what, what, what the fuck? Bobby Moynihan, we're like, wait, wait, he's in it? And then, yeah, Lee Pace, I, uh, I don't know if Emily reacted to Lee Pace, but I was like, really? Lee, Lee Pace? Okay, and fucking Tanya Pinkins, who plays the principal, who's a really good Esteemed actress. Broadway She's actress. Fucking Tony nominee. I saw her. I've seen her on stage in like Caroline or Change on the British state. Like she's the best. And uh, Maddie Ziegler of Dance Moms and Sia music videos. Uh, that's right. Yes, little Maddie Ziegler, who I've never heard of, but I've been told is a YouTube star. She is. She's in the Sia she's videos. In the Sia videos. Chandelier. She's a dancer. She has not Elastic really acted Heart. before in any substantial way. Ben, how much time do we have left? Uh, you have fifty minutes. Doing great. Two, or yeah, fifty-two minutes. Okay, we got we got to get moving on the plot. Okay, so Twinkly, I always mispronounce his name. Michael Giacchino. Michael Michael Giacchino. Michael Giacchino. Terrible score by him. Although I mean, certainly uh, poorly matched to the film. Feels like he was told to emulate a certain kind of score. Definitely, uh, but it's uh, come on. You have to admit, as much as I love the guy, it's yeah. a really horrendous score. I, think, I, I uh, kept thinking, oh, what a bad score. And then when I saw it was him, I was surprised. But I think mismatch is the key word. Fine, but I'm holding him responsible. Sure. Yeah. I hold everyone responsible. Everyone in this film should be held responsible for work. You hear that, editor Kevin Stitt? <laughs> okay, so the movie starts, and we are introduced to Henry Carpenter. What a fucking piece of shit this, this kid is. This little twerp. All right, he's played by Jaden Lieberher. I, he's 11 years old. He's the smartest person he's, who's ever lived, he's apparently. He's like a savant. Okay. In every aspect right. it's of not being just, a person. Yeah, because it's like... kind of like the Glass family kind of thing. Beyond that. Beyond so, that. Like, he talks like a robot man. Oh, but, God. you know, he, they do the thing which I... Fucking hate, by the way. Yeah. One of my least favorite tropes. I'm already getting worked up about I know. I, once we get into the plot, we're going to fucking fly off <laughs> Which the is that thing where it's like... You know, Ben's adjusting the levels. Some, we're hulking out. Something normal happens, like the mom says something reassuring, and he's—I mean, this doesn't happen in the movie, but you know, this kind of trope where he immediately, like, almost turns to the audience and breaks the fourth wall, and he's like, "Okay, mom, like, I understand that you know yeah. we're no, right." The thing they do instead is show and tell. Right, they're like, giving presentations about like their career. Oh, the opening of the movie is—it's like, and for our next presentation, Jimmy, and he gets up with a piece of paper. And he's and like, this I want to be a dumb fucking kid missing teeth or whatever. Right. Like, I grow, uh, I will. And she was like, "Okay, um, some poorly structured no, sentences there." Oh, 
little basic. Right. I'm like, right. who the fuck's this teacher? Who's this fucking who teacher hates throwing her students? Shit? And then she's like, Henry, get up here. And Henry gets up. He has a piece of paper. Oh, this kid memorized. Or he's going off the dome. He is. And he gives a speech about how like fucking humanity is pointless and life is a charade. Yeah, but we he's all like, have well, to keep- what is wanting something if not <sighs> just like a way to confront the existential despair we all face? But hey, I guess there's not, you know, whatever. That and immediately you're like, I hope this movie is an hour about and a half of this shit slapped out of him. Fucking asshole. <laughs> Henry. You want God. to see this kid stuffed in no, a locker. He, he sucks. I'm so anti-bullying. But you're like, who's this fucking kid? Anytime anyone says anything to him in the movie. He gives this honestly unprepared yeah. presentation. And this is an actor I like a lot. I, I think he's uh, one of the best actors of his age range. He's okay. I mean, he's fine. But this character is so no, unbearable. But, no, then his teacher comes up to him and is like, oh, Henry, why can't we put you in a gifted and talented program it's again? Like, I he's like, before because so, uh, social, Because it's good for my social development to be in a, a mixed age group or a mixed, uh, you know, uh, intelligence group But, like, every line of this like, film feels like the writer wrote it in the most obvious way to say that sentence and then took out a thesaurus exactly, and then replaced out, each word. Like, exa- or, no, really just, like, cracked out, like, Dr. Spock and like just copy pasted right. like some bit of on child development and then later when it's about he's talking about the stock market you do the same thing with fucking what they don't teach you in Harvard Business right. School right because like any fucking moment I've never been prouder to not have gone to Harvard than I am now knowing that Greg Hurwitz went to Harvard <laughs> <laughs> every moment in the movie is like Naomi Watts will say like I love you sweetie and he's like ah banal reassurances of loving platitudes are a way to dull our minds from the existential. And you're just like, fucking just take it! He always has to like explain okay. how what everyone else right. is doing okay. is like a veneer. Right. That's what's so annoying. That's that's what I'm saying I fucking hate. I hate that trope. So he's this annoying kid. Fucking sucks. Fuck He has kid. a single, he has a little brother uh, called Peter, played cute by kid. Jacob Tremblay, who's like a cute Oversized kid with glasses. glasses. Yeah, like and that more is his of a, character. His more character. of a lip Nicky. His character is he's okay. cute and he's got glasses. Yeah, he's like a cute little kid. He's not a like super freak, intelligent kid or anything. normal kid. normal kid. And then he's got a mom, Susan, who's a waitress played by Naomi Watts, waitress, single mother, waitress at the local diner, singer mother with some kind of like rough edges. Like she's not an alcoholic, but a bit of a lush. Like she's kind of a weird parent. She like plays video games she loves all the video time. Games. Sometimes she's characterized. She's got a lot of bits. Sometimes well, she's got a lot of business. Sometimes she's characterized like Robin Williams and Jack, where you're like, is the point here yeah, that she she's like developmentally disabled? Because there's like some I am Sam shit where it's like she's on the couch playing video games. Whose seltzer is this? I think Amy Nicholson. Yeah. Okay, I'll drink it. We just recorded an episode with Amy oh, Nicholson. It's your, it's your seltzer. Yeah, it's mine. Oh, I'm using some. Yeah, thank you. Okay, but spoiler: Amy Nicholson's on an upcoming episode. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, also, Jack Nicholson was on the episode. Yeah, of course. It was a bring your was like, daughter to hey, podcast. Hey, me, I can't do it. For the listener at home, David is holding his eyebrows up. Hey, Amy. No, I can't do it. I wish I could do okay, it. David, enough with the fun bits. We have to go back to being angry. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where mm. he is going over their bills. Oh, I just want to say, right, the idea is he's the man of the house. You know, he, he runs He runs the, the household. And that's maybe why she's this sort of arrested development type, because she has this super genius kid, even though he's 11. Like, what's he been running the stock market since he was six? Is that the the point? fuck is this? At what point did the mom check out and go like, oh, I don't need to be an adult because my kid's an adult? How did she it, afford this nice house? Was it three? Was it at nine? She's a waitress. Yeah, and then at some point later in the film, they establish that she has $780,000 in a bank account. $680,000. Okay. I made it clear. She has almost seven hundred. Yeah, she's got six hundred and fifty k or whatever in a bank account because this kid plays the stock market like crazy. And there's all these bits where he's like, 
mom, you really should get a new car. And she's like, the old car works fine. And, and they all they say like it in unison. Like her. it's a fun fucking like it's one thing of her that mantras. they all say. Like it's a running joke. The old car works fine. Oh, yes, that specific thing only our mom says. All right, but what did you want to say about Naomi Watts? He's, like, there with, like, little glasses down at the bottom of the bridge yeah, of his doing nose. The bills. And he's got, like, seven newspapers and bills. And he's like, Mom, where's the FICA score and the this right, and right. that? And Mom's like, oh, Henry, I'm trying to play my video she's game. Playing and she's, like, feet up on the couch playing Xbox. Okay, I see what's going on. It's like a role reversal. Whoa! Right? Is and he's like, you really of... shouldn't lean into it because she's doing the thing when you play video games, you know, where you kind of lean into the controller. And right. she's like, no, see, it totally works. It's literally like she's a 10-year-old. Yeah. Uh, mother, you realize that leaning into a video game screen doesn't do anything, right? Right. It's literally, that's the dynamic here. That's the dynamic. It's fucking edible weird shit. Right, because it also feels a little sexual. Like, it never yes. crosses a line. No, it but doesn't, because but it's she weird. she keeps on saying, I don't need a husband, I have Henry. Yes, and like, anytime anything happens to her, she's like, well, I have to check with Henry first. And no one explicitly sits her down and says, the re- your relationship with your son's really weird. <laughs> I mean, people kind of like hint at it. Sarah Silverman kind of makes fun of it. Sarah Silverman in this movie is styled exactly like Amy Winehouse. She has the tattoos on the boobs. She has the beehive hairdo and the eyeliner. Yes. She's the, like, drunk, like, like dangerous she is a drunk. drunk. Right. She's a full stop, like, dangerous level alcoholic. She has, alcoholic. like, bottles of wine in her bra. Like, right. it's like, it's like, <laughs> she's constantly wasted. They find her passed out on, like, on, park like, some benches. wicker furniture, yeah. Right, in, in like, the backyard outdoors somewhere. shit. Yeah. And um, she's like, why don't you just go get a man? And she's like, find me one man out there who is half as responsible, mature, and intelligent as Henry. And it's like, don't you want to get, you know. Don't want to get some of that dick? Have some sex? Have a little bit of sex? Do what you want. Get that dick. Like, his dad's out of the picture. We don't even, I forget why. Never explained. He's just He's just gone. Oh, remember, now that my husband left me with the two kids, they just, like, invoke him once. You have no idea who the fuck he is. What happened? She seems pretty high-functioning. She doesn't seem, like, totally burnt up. Naomi Watts, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, she's fine. She's she's immature, but she doesn't feel broken. She doesn't feel, like, sad. There's a world where she's kind of like Toni Collette in, um... About a boy uh, or six cents. Six where it's like, yeah, oh, I get it. Like, yeah, this mom's a little weird and a little unconventional, but she's like a, a good mom at the heart of it. But I would say this movie does not succeed in that portrayal. And two points. For the movie to work, the Naomi Watts character... Look, there's a thousand reasons this movie doesn't work. Yeah. But for that plot line to actually kind of track... The Naomi Watts character has to be more of a disaster, a la the Sarah Silverman character, where you're like, oh, man, she really can't keep herself up. Whereas with the way the Naomi Watts character is characterized, you're just constantly like, is she just choosing not to take on any responsibility because she's lazy? Right. Like, she's just trying to, like, force herself into adolescence. It feels like Naomi Watts is playing a child in an SNL sketch. Yeah, sure. Where you're like, well, this is non-literal, representational sketch comedy, and she's doing a good job of, like, affecting the mannerisms of a small child, like a little boy playing video games on the couch. It all feels a little forced, as does everything in this movie. Okay, so that's this movie, right? That's the initial relationship that's set up. And then the other thing is that Henry is this weird creative genius where he makes these fucking Rube Goldberg machines around the house. They have this, like, steampunk tree house in the woods that he and his little brother go to. And like the, the door is made of a fridge, but it's the perfect section of a fridge. And like the roof is an upside down tugboat, and the fucking like you know the staircase it's, it's a bunch is of like bones or whatever. It's all garbage. like right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all like found <laughs> art, beautiful like Brooklyn artisanal I, I mean, art festival. I like the sound of a bone stairs. Uh, yeah, that's, he made that I up. made that part up. <laughs> oh, okay. But the door is a fridge. Cool. Uh, and it's like they go in there, and here's one of the many zillion problems I have with this movie. It's like they go into this wonderland. What do they do? 
Henry doesn't really do anything. No. He starts like scribbling like fucking Notes. equations on a calculator. Oh, yeah. He's chalkboard got his chalkboard. Or something. Yeah. Meanwhile, he has a Rube Goldberg machine that you like activate all these pool balls, you know, yeah. they, and they like suck a puppet's dick. <laughs> and, then, and then like all it does is it like squirts icing onto a cupcake. Yeah. Just, Too much business. Just, just squirt the icing on yeah, the cup. Right, like, that's an I easy don't know. Task. Have a cooler Rube Goldberg machine. Like, have it do something. It's like the world's worst juicero machine. I guess the whole point of Rube Goldberg machines is like they do a simple thing complicated. So maybe I'm nitpicking, but like, it just doesn't feel as wondrous as he it's wants not. you to. And feel this like. movie's laying down the wondrous, like w- between the music and yeah, the yeah, there's like tinkly music. Right, it's, it wants you to be like so thoroughly charmed by everything that's happening. And Henry's bedroom is like covered with like blueprints of airplanes as the wallpaper that's like not what they made but it's like the most beautifully designed like children's wonderland bedroom right. and he's got like this old timey like aviator helmet and all these gadgets and wismos and fuck <laughs> it you know and so there's like a scene where where Peter is getting picked on by older kids and he's got like a, a bronze medal around his <sighs> fucking shit yeah it's because he got a medal like Henry got a medal that was like smartest little shithead that ever lived medal. And he gave it to Peter because he's to a Peter good because, big brother. And he's like non-material. He's like, oh, medals are simply like right. metallic forms. Right. It is a fiat currency to boost our confidence. <laughs> yeah, and you're meaningless like, Meaningless existential up. items. And so he's like, yeah, Peter can have it. Now he wants is like, okay, Peter can have it. Peter goes to school immediately. They're like, fuck <laughs> you, Peter. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> they push him on the Think ground. Think you can have a fucking medal? They push him on the ground and the metal breaks in half in a way that a medal would not. It's true. And it Peter, breaks well, as if it was, it was made a out of poorly made metal. <laughs> maybe, uh, but yeah. But and Peter, uh, Peter is angry because Henry was distracted from defending him. Henry's like eighty pounds soaking wet. Yeah. This kid's not going to defend anyone. There's like three years age difference between the two. I swear of them. to God, this is like the least physically active kid. And he gets home, and Peter is inconsolable. He cannot right. get over this broken metal. So Henry is like, I know how to make you feel better. And Henry sets up. A, a, a fucking rotating fan and gets a bunch of like confetti or soap flakes or oh fucking God, something. I forgot about this. But this is important. Yeah, it is important. Okay, and then he puts on that dumb little helmet with the goggles. Yeah, do you see And the... he gets some, which is the poster image. Yeah. This is the only moment where the helmet he comes into play. Never though. use it again. No. It's just sitting on their mantle as another piece of like fucking art direction. Yeah, right. Because there's too much business going on in there's their bedroom. Of, there's a lot of business okay? in their bedroom. So he sets like it's, up- Look, it's like my bedroom, but when I was 17 years old. Right. It's like my bedroom now. <laughs> <laughs> Except everything's there because I like it, not because some fucking person thought it would look fun. Anyway, uh, sorry. He he sets up the stupid Okay, so he sets up the fucking soap flakes and the fan and he pours it so that like the door frame is like this and Peter's on the bed and Henry's out in the hallway and all he can see from the door frame is like now this like, like snow s- blowing by. It looks like snow is blowing by sideways. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like the old Adam West Batman where he'd climb up the wall but oh. it was clearly filmed like they just right. tilted the Henry camera. Has two yeah. plungers and he's like pretending to climb up a mountain. So he's on the floor on his belly pretending to climb up Mount Everest like there's snow coming down him and Peter loves this. He thinks, he it's, thinks it's so great. cute and you're just like what the fuck is this movie? Yeah you're kind of like okay. Yeah, I've, I've, I have no idea where this, this is the, going. The first 45 minutes of the movie is all this kind of business. Like sure. it's mostly just sort of whimsical shit with one. I'd say less. It's like 30. It's pretty compact because the whole movie is like 90 and out. No, the movie's an hour 45. Really? Yeah. Okay. No, it's the first 45 minutes. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure okay. about it. Because 45 minutes in is when 
something happens. But, but before we get to that. But the whole movie, like, Henry is telling everyone that everything they do is, like, stupid human business they do to placate yes. themselves and the meaningless of but their lives. But he does it, too. He right. does the most meaningless, like, dumb, frivolous Because he tweet. loves his brother, you monster! But you're like, that's the thing that will make your brother happy? The other thing I want to note before we get to the serious Peter thing... Peter loves it, by the way. He loves it. ...is that Naomi Watts, when she's putting them to bed, like, takes out a ukulele and plays a song, which is god-awful. The worst. Oh, boy! And that was the opening line of your review. Can uh, you yeah. It's like I, the movie lost me. I can probably find it. Uh, uh, but this is the oscillation between the movie where it's like, okay, sometimes for comedic effect, Naomi Watts seems totally checked out as a mom. It's right. like a child. They're parenting her. That's the joke. And he's okay. like, stop playing video games. And she's like, oh, come on. Why are you so boring? Mom. And then sometimes when she's putting them to bed, she's like the most attentive, empathetic like observant mother in the world right. and they just want to play up these scenes that feel like oh this is what it felt when your mommy loved you she tucks him to bed she calls him tamale one tamale two i know enchilada Lights. one enchilada I'm sorry. two uh will goss wanted us to check wanted to check which one of us is enchilada one and which one of us is enchilada two. i'm enchilada two i'm peter you're henry right? right fair enough uh the exact moment the book of henry right because i'm me. meek and you're really smart and you know everything well said. Thank you. Uh, the exact moment the Book of Henry lost me was when Naomi Watts reached for the ukulele. Right. That's my first line. It happens 20, 21 minutes. Now, on. the other thing that's going on is that Henry... Yeah, she sings this original song that was written for the movie, and then Stevie Nicks does a cover of the song in the end credits. That is true. That's Stevie their Nicks Oscar best original song play. Yeah, it's going to win. Um, <laughs> so next door to the Carpenter family... Oh, no. I forgot. Wait, how did you forget? Because I was so this focused... This is the fucking movie! I know, I was so focused on this bullshit. Next door to the Carpenter family <laughs> is the Sickleman family. Okay. Played, oh, they sound nice. Played, yeah. yeah, Sickleman. Yeah. Played by Dean Norris as Glenn, the patriarch, who is the stepfather to Maddie Ziegler's character, Christina, who's an 11-year-old girl right. in Henry's class. And I would describe Dean Norris's performance as, what if Hank from Breaking Bad had no redeeming qualities whatsoever and no dimensionality? It's basically like, you know, like... I, I can imagine. Here's how I did it. Yeah. If I'm directing it, sure. to get this exact performance, yeah. I go up to Dean and I'm like, "You know, you're under the dome character, like worse. <laughs> yeah. You want to do that worse? Because basically, he's just he just sort of grumbles. There's no shades of gray in this character. This he's guy just is like, just his first introduction is like he's like. Susan, and she's like, "Yeah, what's up, uh, yeah. Mr. Fickleman? Clench or teeth. Mr. Sickleman? Sickle, sickle your your leaves are blowing into my yard. Like right, I, have your rake, leaves. I have to rake your leaves. But he's not even like yelling. He's just kind of like an asshole. He's just kind of like a little asshole. You start out thinking he's an asshole, and then the movie slowly reveals to you that slowly. he is the worst human being who's ever. All right, lived. so basically he's and and then she, you know, it's some just to get some exposition out. It like. You know, she says something to Maddie about to Maddie Ziegler to Christina, like, "Oh, you know, you and your father," and she's like, "Stepfather." In one of five lines, this character has she doesn't say anything. It's okay. true, and the idea is obviously she's very shut down. The she film makes is no styled effort. like Violet Incredible. She's got the hair hanging down over one side of her face. Okay. You can only see one eye. She's kind of slouchy. And she doesn't talk much because why? Her stepfather is abusing her sexually. I oh. I think they actually never say it. They or never show it. say it. The in, I, I, it's it a PG thirteen movie. I think it has to be. But he's doing it with the curtains open. So this is why this is knowledge because Henry's watching from next door through his bedroom window, 
as she's totally like, adjacent windows. Right. As she's sitting in her room looking very despondent and you're like, he's looking down and then on the ground floor, you see right. him like the stepdad sitting there. She's like, on the top floor, whiskey. like brushing a Barbie doll's hair. He's in the bottom floor, like drinking whiskey and growling. It's, and then he follows him like, up to the bedroom and then I'll just cut to Henry's reaction. It's like a fucking like educational video about like detecting child abuse. It's right. like, make sure like, like, like watch for signs. And it's like the most sort of like basic, um, undramatic, on uh, new, you know, lack of nuance, whatever, you know, yeah, however it's you very didactic. It. It's just like, yeah. he is abusing her. FYI, like right. important for later story. Now, in this scene where she is introduced and he yells about or, or grumbles about the the leaves, it's also set up. Naomi Watts is so happy to see her. They have a secret handshake, like a very complicated. Yeah, they're trap like, hey, what's handshake. up? Catching the flip side, homeboy. Apparently, yeah. Naomi Watts and this girl next She's door. She's so fucking annoying. Are best friends. And then when they walk away, Naomi Watts is like, so when are you going to make her my daughter-in-law to Henry? And just keeps on talking about how Henry's going to date this girl. Right. And so you think they're setting up something where, like, okay, they have a weird flirtation. But then they never talk the entire movie because this girl's not a character. She's not a character. But the entire movie really... about her, they never make her a human being. Excuse me. Until the end. We'll get to that, though. Yeah, there better be a reason why they're having a character be put through Oh, no, this. you'll see. Oh, 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 oh no no you'll see oh, oh you'll oh, see oh Ben so well, I'm not gonna see it oh Ben you'll 45 see forty five minutes into the movie or so well, well after there's the first oh, night oh, right, right. where also. you see him on screen observe the abuse yes. right so, and then the next day he goes into school and there's talks a test. to the principal well he's sitting there and she's like she's at the cafeteria totally she's not eating her food he knows his bruises on her and he goes to the principal and he's like I've told you once I told you a thousand times all the signs are there right. bruises her grades have declined like lack of appetite yeah 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 and the principal's like Henry. You're a child. You have no evidence. I can't go off of this. Right. The principal's basically saying, I can't make a baseless accusation. And the other thing is, he's the police commissioner, so it's hard to, like, accuse him of a crime. The beloved police commissioner is abusing his stepdaughter, but no one will believe him. And in this movie, the only person who has power to actually take the police commissioner down is the principal, if she chooses to. I guess so, but there's... It's seemingly, because she's... Okay, well, uh, just uh, let me just get this out, and then we got to get to the first twist. Yeah. Henry does call Child Protective Takes Services. Takes a pamphlet out of her office, dials the number on the back. And then watches as this Child Protective Services officer goes to the house, talks to Hank. I mean, he's not called Hank in this movie. Uh, Glenn. And, he goes and he's like, kind of hey, sorry, I don't know what's going on Hand him on the shoulder. Hey, I just got to talk to you her. You know, I got to check. It's all kind of wordless because he's watching, and then Henry turns over the pamphlet. And the head of Child Protective Services is like Jim Sickleman or whatever, you know, his brother. He's he's wired the whole town for child molesting. But the movie's setting up this it's thing. It's the stupidest thing in the world yeah, where it's yes. like, this, this, this goes straight to the top. This one thing where he just abuses one person. He's, oh, and, and he has people movie, installed in every position of power. This movie's weirdly anti-bureaucracy, even though it's not making any larger point because Henry's like, the principal won't listen. The police commissioner's in on it. His brother's child's protective service agency. No one will listen now, to me. I think <laughs> the idea, if you're going to do this movie well, or if this script would be possibly good, it's not a bad script. It's a bad script. Is like the idea is like Henry, who like is so smart and can work the stock market, yada yada, but he's being confronted with this more complex human problem yes. and these human failings. Right. And he's like, I can't do anything about this 
why can't I fix this? this like, is I can a fix movie anything about a child else. trying to figure out how to deal with a world that doesn't exist in absolutes, right. that isn't hard numbers. Now, there's that a involves way to do that. Finesse. Yes, but here's what happens. At that moment when these pieces are on the board and you think that's the movie that should be made, sure. Henry out of nowhere gets a tumor. He gets brain cancer. They do that? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and in they the have most a annoying montage way, where they play that song. Yeah, they play that song, and, and Scotty Pippen comes onto the court. <laughs> Bloody diva, come on and slam! Come on to the jam. Yes. No, no, the monsters. He, he like collapses. dog. He collapses from headaches. He goes to the hospital. Well, she, co- he, she, she wakes up to hear Jacob Tremblay screaming. Oh, right. He's having and he's convulsing a, a on seizure. The floor. Right, and they go to the hospital. They take him to the hospital. I fucking hate this they scene. immediately perform brain surgery on him. right well he they go to the hospital They're like he's, we got to perform right away well lee pace is like have you been having headaches and he's like yeah for a few months now and lee pace is like this kid has a major tumor it's on his brain we need to take it out and henry like corrects him he's like well i thought it was just this and that so no, no, i thought no, the no, symptoms no, no, no. that happens after oh, the okay. surgery lee pace comes in henry's head's all bandaged up yeah. that's you know you know he had brain surgery because of the bandage on his head okay and he's a like, little tip Filmmaking tip for you to convey brain surgery. Put a bandage on someone's head. <laughs> and he's like, hey, sport slugger. Yeah, how you doing? You see, the news. thing is, there's a nasty thing in your head. And he's there's like, there's a bully in your body. Right. And, tried to and Henry's like, give get, it to me straight, doctor. To what are we talking about? And the doctor's like, oh, rather than going like, Hey, what's the deal with you knowing about advanced brain ca- doctoring? Right. He's like, oh, do you want to take a look at your MRI? And Henry's like, oh, yeah, there it is. You know, third <laughs> frontal lobe. Like, it's fucking stupid. I don't care how smart you are. You don't know neurosurgery. <laughs> it's everything. And, <laughs> and he's he went to school for four years to learn this shit. And Henry essentially says, like, well, I assumed it was this kind of cancer, so I probably have eight years to live. Oh, I misdiagnosed myself. Oops. I only have two days to live. <laughs> and he's like, wait, misdiagnosed? How did you know you had this? Because in the movie, when he's convulsing, they all act like this has never happened before. Up until that point, he's just had a couple headaches, and he somehow self-diagnoses himself At with some kind of brain like, tumor. Well, first I thought it was just stress. Right. And you're like, how smart are you supposed to be? Because you're smart enough that you know the particulars of brain tumors right. and how to read an MRI. But you're also stupid enough that you have three months of blurred vision. You think it might just be stress? You're 11. How stressed out are you? So Lee Pace is the handsome doctor. God, I'm yelling so much. Dr. Ronan, the accuser. Yeah, Dr. David Daniels. He's pretty good in the movie. He's um, a good actor. Yeah, good actor. Anyway, so... Uh, so he like essentially the, tells him you got, you got like less than the a week You're 20, dying now. The middle like 20, 25 minutes of the movie is Henry dies. Yeah, I feel like there's a few scenes because there's this scene where Sarah Silverman comes in and they do their famous bit where she calls him Hank, Okay, which is their famous bit where she's like, hey, Hank, and he's like, it's Henry, you dumb bitch. And then then he calls her like a whore and a slut and a bunch of big thesaurus words, like $10 words. It's nuts, the hostility these two. Almost like he's jealous of her. Okay, so he just keeps on making jokes about her being like a loose, promiscuous woman and a drunk, and she calls him Hank and just is like sort of like, you know, Backhand and diminutive to him. Yeah. And then she comes in to visit him by himself when the no one else is, is in so the room. Bad. 
and he's she's like, like, oh, I see. Now it's the moment in the movie where we do this. Like, he right. explains what's happening. He's like, this is page 75 of the Because screenplay. you right. feel bad about me now, and you feel bad about how you've, you know. But he also says, like, look, I know we've always had a contentious relationship, to say the least, but I'll be honest, it was a coping mechanism for me to shield my libidus interests. And, like, what he says in Dumb Henry speak is, like, I always made fun of you because I thought you were pretty. And then he translates it. Like, he says that. Yeah. He goes, like, then, what I'm trying to say is. And then the movie cuts away from the scene, and nothing else happens. No. Nope. Sarah Silverman kisses him. <laughs> On the mouth. Dun, 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 dun. And, and then, then CNC Music Factory come back Oh, in. they bring him back in. That's Bloody fun. D-back. <laughs> and then <laughs> the movie. The movie acts like uh, the love that could have been if Henry had not died. Like there's this he wistful kind of. He could have married this 42-year-old diner no, waitress. That's it's like the real. ending no, okay, of Blank okay. Check except 10 times worse. It is, but she does kiss him on the mouth and it is weird. Right. Uh, and then he dies in his mother's arms but, saying, but, I want to see the sky. But they find him on the floor of the room and they're like, what are you doing on the floor out of your bed here? And he said, I want to see the sky. So the movie is about the sky. Yeah, of course it is. Oh, it okay. should be known. Yeah. The movie is about the sky. But they, mm. they find him on the floor, and he dies in her arms. And then the movie ends, and that's the end of the movie. Are you serious? No, absolutely no, no. not. There's ben, like a whole third ben, act. You have no <laughs> idea what the fuck happens next. Okay? And then the book of Henry Look, is open. He says to Peter, Peter's in his room one day, and he's, do you want a brownie? No. Do you want this? No, he doesn't want food, because food is a mere lie that humans tell themselves. Right. To Henry's himself- a breatharian. He only absorbs light. Okay. No, I'm joking. That's not true. We, so few of what we're saying is a bit. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the thing. Everyone Everything we're throwing. is plausible. Most yeah. of this is in the movie, not everything. Okay, so he says to Peter, he's like, Peter, you got to me, do me a favor. Okay, you got you to gotta do me a solid, okay? You're the mm. person I trust most in the world. Right. You have to give her the book of Henry. <laughs> He doesn't call it the book of Henry. He's he like, I book. got this He's red got notebook. notebook with like the fucking Wright Brothers flying machine yeah, exactly. etched on yeah, the I, outside. I, I, Vitruvian Man 2 or whatever. <laughs> and you fucking have to asshole. give her the red book. Don't read it, Peter. Right, right. But mom must read it. Okay, so he dies. In her arms. Then, they're oh, sad. How do you show that they're sad? Here's a shot of Peter standing in the middle of a busy street with his head down, Charlie Brown walking as leaves fall around him and sad music That's plays. That's true. That's a shot that you have. Uh, she's kind of in a daze. At one point, she's like, listen, Peter, I decided, look, I know I've been a little out of it because my son just died in my arms, but dessert every meal for the week. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And she's, like, got a bowl, and it's, like, chocolate syrup, and she's, like, pouring Jolly Ranchers into it. And there's one kind of cute moment when Jacob Tremblay brings his fucking dessert lunch from his goddamn emotionally retarded mother i'm sorry for using that word but she's an idiot yeah. and he's like does anyone want to trade me for fruit and all the kids take his dessert and they give him their fruit and now, thought, he's, I, now he's lousy with fruit i think that that moment's okay that's fine jacob tremblay's good in this movie jacob tremblay he's the one who kind of comes who's out kind of doing his thing yeah. that he did from but Maru, boy like, is that thing effective yeah he's a cute kid he's yeah. fine I he's mean, very natural he's, he's def- very winning one of those genuine. cute kid actors where you're like i this is gonna be rough when it's he's gonna 13. Be ugly. Oh boy! But, <laughs> it's you know, gonna get ugly. I still like when I was watching the movie. I was thinking about when he won that BFCA yeah. award and he got up and yeah. he said, first I want to thank the broadcast film critics." And the camera cuts to Gina Rodriguez, like literally going like, <gasps> like at the like absolute like you know perfect poise of this kid. It's so cute. I just want to like like you know 
like meet Jacob Tremblay and be like, look, kid, I used to be pretty cute too. Like people used to be pretty charmed <laughs> by my things. Yeah, look at bug. look at what we got right now. Boy, oh boy, no yeah. one wants a piece of this. Let me tell you, yeah. man, I can get arrested in this town. <laughs> BFCA, more like. No f you. I used to be a regular <laughs> Jacob Tremblay. I was the Jacob Tremblay of Greenwich Village. <laughs> God, that sounds and like a great movie. Uh, all right, okay. so, so they're sad. They're very so sad. Jacob Tremblay decides to crack open the book of well, Henry. Well, you're missing two things. What? Because there's one moment here that I think is emblematic of a certain type of Where, terrible screenwriting. Where's screen your phone? Writing. Where are we at right now? Where are we at right now? Oh boy, twenty three minutes. Okay, we're okay. Twenty three minutes left or twenty three minutes left? Twenty three minutes left. Okay. There's a moment here that I think is emblematic of something this screenplay does really, really poorly, okay? Uh-huh, uh-huh. They're making the the Desserts. dessert breakfast, Ugh. right? And uh, they're two, these are the two months I want to spotlight. What? Ding dong, go to the door. Who is it? Oh, it's Dr. Ronan the Accuser. Lee Pace is here, yeah. And his first line is, oh, hey, I'm sorry. I know we had a, said 4.30, but I was in the neighborhood, decided to stop by a little earlier. And she goes, oh, okay. And then he goes... You know, I don't usually make house calls, but I just felt the need to check out on on you and Peter, so I thought I'd stop by and do we that. We get it. He making a fucking house call. Right, but if he says, "Hey, I know we agreed on four thirty, but I got here a little earlier," she knows what the deal is. He called her up and said, "Hey, you no, know, I don't usually make." No, he has to explain make... it because the audience doesn't understand. Okay, so okay, that's what, the movie that's, has yeah, no faith in the audience. Like and that. the other one like that is she goes back to work at the diner, and Bobby Moynihan, who's her boss, is like, "Hey, you think you came back a little too soon?" Because yeah, she like you know, someone asked for a milkshake, and she like you know, you she's know, like, my coffee has too much sugar in it, and she takes like no, no, no it's like, hey, is this diet coke or coke? And she drinks the whole thing, and she's like, diet. Yeah. And then she throws the glass at their head, and CNC Music Factory comes in. <laughs> <laughs> and Bobby Moynihan's like, you came back to work too early. And she's like, no, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, I thought, like, single mom, rundown house, like, you needed this job. Find out you live in, like, this crazy mansion with bespoke art direction. <laughs> I, I, you have $680,000 in the You bank. have a steampunk treehouse that's bigger than my apartment. Right. <laughs> like, you don't need this job. Go take some time off. And she's like, no. And he's like, I'm not asking. I'm telling. And she walks out, and Sarah Silverman follows her. And in another piece of character business, Sarah mm. Silverman always pretends that she's a billionaire and goes like, yeah, I was going to fly my yacht this weekend, but then but my... The, the Jag but, was in yeah, the, right. the fucking Concorde. Fucking yeah, whatever. Right. We get it. Yeah. So she comes out and starts saying that thing. And then she's like, come on, why don't you come hang out? And Naomi Watts is like, I can't. I have to go home to my two children. <sighs> yeah, there you go. Okay. Do you get it? Because one of them's dead. Oh, she realized in that moment. Or she's doing a bit. I don't care. Why would she ever say two children? Because she's and doing the bit. I know it's bit. a little detail. She's doing the bit. No, the bit is that she doesn't remember for a second. Oh, uh, I forgot I, my I, son is done. I'm going to disagree with you. I think the bit is she's doing the bit, but like in a hostile way where she's like, because Sarah Silverman's like, I would have been late. You know, I was late, but the jag. And she's I like, the well, I have to go home to my two children. I saw the, it as the where opposite. She's like, your shit's fake and so is mine because of my dead child. I saw it as she was killing the bit. But yeah. Then, okay, but either way, and I know Tiebreaker. this is. What do what I think? Who's right? Uh, I mean, either way, we both lose. Yeah. <laughs> Who's I, right? I, David, you're okay, right. Yeah, great, Fine. thank you. But either way... <laughs> I, I just wanted to complete the bit. <laughs> either way, the cleaner version of that line is, go home to my children, because children is plural. Two children. But I'm saying to say two is like hat on a hat. 
Yeah, well, this movie has got a lot of hats. This movie has more hats than I've ever seen. What about the the neighbor who's abusing his daughter? Okay, great question. So Peter opens the book of Henry, goes and down to see his mother. What does he say to his mother? Mother, I think Henry wants us to kill our neighbor. He goes, I read this book. I Henry told me not to. I couldn't really understand most of it. Can you look at this? And the book is Henry has outlined in detail how to commit the perfect how to murder. commit the perfect murder. In the book. Ben, I swear to God. And here's no. this is what yes. the movie is That's, now about. This is what it's That's what the, the movie is about. This is the third act of the movie, which is This is the 40 second minutes. and third right. act yeah, of the yeah. movie. It's a it's a lot of the movie. And there's an initial fight between little Peter and Susan. I'm where not Peter's gonna like, murder somebody. No, no, no. Where Peter says, We have to kill Glenn. And she's like, Mr. Sickleman. And he's like, Well, Henry, it was his dying wish. We have to kill him. And she's like, Peter, we are not murdering the police commissioner. And that's final. And it's like that's played, a line in the movie. It's played Oof. as like a comedy of manners. Right. Like, it's like, like the joke oh, is how tone, flippant right. that she's like punishing him. Like, listen to me, mister. We're not murdering anybody. And but then she keeps on going, like, oh, come on, there has to be another way. She and then he turns the page of the book, and the next page says, Why there why is no, no other way. 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 Right. Shit like that where like the book is like fucking anticipating everything the mom was going to say about why she shouldn't do it. And oh then God. she's watching from the same place that Henry watched. I'm moving this along, Griffin. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, she's watching the child abuse happen. This daughter again. who's had two lines of dialogue. She's in the bedroom. Again, curtains open. Right. And she sees him go upstairs and, then and cut, walk into the room, close her. the door, cuss her, her shocked she's face. Like, oh, no, 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 Glenn, no. She goes like in the that. other room to call him. Calls him. So that he'll stop and this, goes like, oh, hey, I'm just I'm calling to this is say. This where me, uh, Emily, and Armin just burst out laughing. I'm calling to say I'm going to uh, your no, good no. friend Armin White. Yeah, she said. I'm going to, uh, those you leaves. You know, those leaves. I, I was, I, I've been slacking on it, but I'm taking care. I'm on it now. And he's like, okay. He's like, okay. But what she really means is. I'm gonna murder you. So she decides now that she's gonna murder him. Per so the, the notes, she follows. So she has now decided to murder a human. Murder being. her neighbor. Her neighbor. A human being that who she's is committing known for a while. A sinful and terrible f- crime. Sure. Uh, without punishment. But Henry is convinced this is the only way to deal with the situation because well, the he principal won't convinced. listen. Right. He yeah, was. He's convinced. dead. And there she reads the book. But and the, he left behind The an book audio keeps on tape. telling her. Well, yeah, one of the things uh, in the book is it says go down to the safe. And he goes down to the safe, and there's a mini cassette recorder. Which she Like will now, Fletch. Yes. Oh, okay. A kid in 2015. He left her a, a tape. Went to eBay and bought, like, vintage no, mini cassette right, tape. Because, you know, you can, just, you can just destroy the tape. You know, if it was digital. Yeah. She'd be. Anyway, she buys the tape. Now, here's the perfect murder. Just, can I? No, excuse me. Please, I know it's no, really I'm complicated. It's gonna... really complicated yeah. how to execute the perfect murder. Here's how you do it you buy a gun, you shoot him in the head. <laughs> I swear to God, <laughs> the movie never explains why it's a perfect murder beyond that. The only thing he really helps. She's got helps no cover. His... She's got no alibi, really. The only thing he helps his mother with is like. How to purchase a gun. How to purchase this gun illicitly off the books, which is essentially by eavesdropping at the gun store, he's found out if you say like Victor sent me or something right. like that. They'll sell you an They'll assault rifle without without, without waiting a permit period. or waiting period. So it'll be okay. like, I, and then he's like, he's gone around town and he's found out if you throw the gun off this bridge into a dam, then no one will find it. Right now, so he like, hasn't explained how the cops are going to be like, huh? This guy got shot in the head. The bullet must have come from this steampunk treehouse. <laughs> like they're not that fucking stupid. They're not going to be like, oh, he must have fallen on a bullet. Because the idea is there two houses are right next to each other, right? Jesus. And if you went out back behind the houses into she the wants woods, to her to lure first, him out there. Right, you yeah. would first find that bridge where you, you know, they call it Gun Throw Bridge, where you can throw the gun into the water, <laughs> and then past on the other side of that bridge 
which is the bespoke treehouse, mm-hmm. which is a perfect assassination spot. Yeah. So he outlines how to trick how to do Glenn this. Sickleman into going into the woods where she can shoot him from the treehouse then throw the gun over the bridge and never get caught. And he keeps on telling her in the book and now on the tape because the tape is narrating like, Mom, I know this is going to sound crazy, but you have to believe me. But the tape also talks to her in real time where it's like, go to the ATM. There's a $500 limit. Take a left and go to the next ATM. No, Mom, the other left. Right, and she like and she walks around. off the right way. Or and she'll then, be like, like he, she's like, only five hundred dollars. She's like, I know only five hundred dollars, but if you go to the next ATM, you'll be able to get another five hundred dollars. She listens to the tape on this cassette recorder with iPod headphones. Yes, and the tape will say something like, "Get five hundred dollars." Then there will be a silence in the tape, enough time for her to out loud say, "What?" In, a, in an outdoors voice, Henry, what are you talking about? Only five hundred dollars. Mom, I know $500 isn't going to sound like a lot. Like, okay. this kid fucking right. recorded this tape. We're running out of time, right? What time are we at? You have 15 minutes. Because right. we really, because, but yes, it's all bullshit like this. But is there anything else before the actual crime? There's a lot of shoe leather. There's just a lot of her buying the gun, getting the money for the gun. Questioning it. and, and Learning and, how to shoot. Like, he teaches her via the tape how to, like, fire. This is like a high-powered assault rifle right. with, like, a fucking hollow-point ammunition that's going to explode on contact. It becomes, like, like wanted shit. Yeah, exactly. She, she's, she's, like, like, she's, like, bending bullets. And you got to remember, the, the tinkly score is still there. The <laughs> autumnal lensing. Like, you know, the, all the crap the still Amblin there. The patina. But the, at the same time, she's got this fucking black, like dick of a gun and and she's like getting ready to shoot him okay so so here are other things that are happening in the movie even though peter read the book and brought it to her and said i don't understand all of it what's mr sickleman doing to <coughs> to madeline and she goes uh, something bad i don't want to tell you about it's it it's not madeline it's christina the actress sorry is madeline. sorry yeah. um she then tells peter that she's not going to murder glenn sickleman and then uh-huh. goes ahead playing to murder him, and Peter seems completely oblivious to what's going yeah, on. Yeah, he's not involved. I guess she doesn't want to make him an accessory. Even though he knows already because he's read the book. Look, I don't fucking know. Okay, anyway. but but the other thing, the other thing that's going on here is it kind of they start like hitting these strings of like, when's the time for you to grow up and become a mother? Like, you know, Henry was being the parent, now you yeah, gotta be right, the parent. Right, right, right. And she keeps on saying, like, my priority is I need to be a good mother for Peter which is why she's going to commit a crime that could lead to her getting put in jail, leaving Peter with no family whatsoever. And But it's also like, it's like, it's this whole thing where she let him boss her around for so long. Right. So she's letting her boss, she's letting him boss her around from the afterlife. But in the tape, like Henry keeps on saying stuff like, mom, if you mess up on one detail, they'll catch you. And it's like, hey, guess what? If the stakes are this high, how Don't about do just it. double down on the one kid you got, call or the cops. Or just fucking call the cops and be like, no, for serious, I'm a grown person. This man only... is committing abuse. Well, because the justification is right because that they they called this the child services and yeah. it's the brother well then and just he's the get police someone else or or film it if it's so camera the you. curtains open you. You just set up a Thank fucking you. camera you can buy them they're like nest cameras now you can get them for 300 bucks i'm yeah. not one of these fucking cinema sense guys who likes to look there and go like well juno could have just gotten an abortion i agree okay right. you don't want to be like Fuck that. The... but this movie is is asking you to believe that a, a mother would choose to follow the advice of her then 11-year-old son and, and commit, commit a murder. murder because there is no other option, even though their window is completely equidistant, perfect view of where this abuse is always happening with curtains open. Take a fucking picture. Yeah. Anyway. They can't deny it, but so, they don't do no, this. No, there's no, no other choice. No, no, Turn to no, the next no. page in the book why there's no other Here's choice what but to murder. Here's what happens. She takes... 
the two kids, Christina, the abuse victim, and Peter. Well, she goes to Dean Norris and she says, "Do you have a will? What happens if you die?" Because yeah. your wife in this very is gone. terse conversation. It's very weird. And you can't figure and out if they're implying that he killed the wife or what happened to the wife. And he's like, "No, haven't thought about it." Pretty she healthy. fakes his will. Or Henry has faked his will. He, she signs. She gets it. a sign, a, a form from him saying that she can bring Christina to, to the, the talent, talent show. show. So he, she gets his signature, forges the will that says Christina will live with her if he dies. Files that will. Christina has one line in that scene where she comes downstairs and she goes, "How's school, honey?" It goes, uh, "Math is tough. Math is hard." So Christina's like, had three lines of dialogue at this point in the talk. movie. And the whole movie's about people the point committing is, murder to save well, you her. You know, we, the, she's a total prop. It's terrible, and so. Here's what Naomi Watts does to commit the perfect murder. Takes these kids to the talent show. Leaves the talent show immediately. Right. Drives back home where Dean Norris is just at home. Why couldn't he take the kids to the talent show? He's not doing anything. Because she, she it gave make him any the form sense. that said that ah, he was going to take her sense. to the talent show. Lures him out into the woods With a tape recorder. So he follows a noise. What's that noise out there? Oh, it's Henry's tape recorder. She lures him out into the woods. She's got her gun trained on him. Then she accidentally knocks over something to start another Rube Goldberg machine he has set up. I mean, this is the moment okay, that so, is just patently ludicrous. So on the tape, he says, Mom, it is very important that you do not make a wrong move. Do not make any noise. Yeah, and immediately she like farts and like, The Rube know. Goldberg machine goes off. And the Rube Goldberg machine is like a three minute cycle. It's like a pool ball that like goes down three racks. Right, and, right. And, and like then, a donkey kicks a, a, a fucking guava. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, a game of Mario <laughs> Golf is played. And then finally, like all this just to Make some Polaroids. Wait, well, for three minutes, this is going on in the background. She's there. She's You're like, seeing oh, her boy, oh, boy. Through like, the lens of the sniper, sniper rifle. rifle. Yeah. Dean Norris is just standing, investigating this tape recorder tied to a branch, not moving for three minutes. And then, chicka, 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 final step of the Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. It's a, it's a chain, like a Jacob's Ladder of Polaroid pictures of Henry at different ages. Yes. And I don't know why this exists. It's not related to the perfect murder. It's why some would other that be machine. the payoff? No why, idea. Why would Henry tell her that the only place to commit the perfect murder is a place where if you move an inch, a Rube Goldberg <laughs> machine will go off and, and make a lot of noise, a looks, bunch of whizzing She looks bells. at these Polaroids, and she realizes he was just a kid. Because, because when she drops them off at the talent show, where Peter's about to perform, right after his brother has and died. And Christine is going to perform. His only friend, her surrogate daughter, the one she has the secret handshake with, right? Yeah. yeah. Henry, uh, Peter earlier in the movie says he wishes he had died instead of Henry. Uh-huh. And yeah. she's like, that is not true. You are just as special yeah, to yeah. me as he is. But she's like so worried with this murder that she's not raising her son who's still alive. Okay. He's going we through don't really have tough much time. time. How much time do we have? Oh, shit. We are nine minutes. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. okay. Enough. Enough. No, no, but this Come is important. This, this is important stuff. So the talent show, it's set up. This is important. The talent show. Well, I know the talent show is important. You're going on about our dynamics with Peter. Like, we got to get to the talent show. Peter's performing at the talent show. So is. These things are cross-cutting as, right. as far as I can remember. Right. But one, one performance so happens Christina. before one Christina happens after. Christina happens first. So he's. He's scribbling on some drawing at the wall, like defacing some other kid's art. And she's like, why are you doing that? And he's like, because Henry would have liked it. She's like, Henry's just a child. He wasn't right about everything. Right. So when the Polaroids goes off, she's like, right. He was Henry's just, just a, a child. I shouldn't he wasn't kill right about someone everything. because an 11-year-old who's dead left me a tape. 
So while she's like running, racing the clock, driving back to get to position to shoot him, you're seeing like a kid do a rap routine. You're seeing tap dancing Someone happening over burps. now. Now dramatic like thriller music. Right, right. And, and it's then... like car chasing. She gets there, and while she's like debating whether or not to take the shot, and the Rube Goldberg machine's going off. What's her name, Christine? Christina. Christina does a ballet performance, which does, is like... why they hired Maddie Ziegler because she's a dancer. Except yes. the dance routine is so overcut, so backlit. Look, it's so poorly no. covered that it could have been anyone. No, but beyond that, that's not the problem. With she this. starts crying, but I'm saying it also no, defeats the purpose so of casting bad. that Look, person. This is the scene. This is it's immortalized on the poster. It's supposed to be the emotional crux of the movie, where Christina does this ballet routine that is essentially her externalizing her abuse. And right? She cries it's like, during it. Right. She is trying she to represent down. through them the art of dance how she feels about the fact that she's being sexually abused. And the principal is, is in waiting the in the wings, watching with tears in her eyes. And she goes, finally, she that's the proof like, I need. Oh, what? Shit. A dance is the evidence? This is the point at which everyone in the theater is cackling. Now, yeah. I don't know about you, because you're watching with, like, three old ladies. I saw with three old ladies yeah, in the so theater. I, I don't think they're... But, like, every film critic in the audience is just fucking howling. Because how can you not? Like, it is such a goddamn... Manipulative, like treacly moment, that, and this like, is why I made this is comment. So unearned about seemingly the principal has the only power in the entire movie because once she's convinced by this dance routine, her word is suddenly proof. No, no, no. What happens is she calls the whatever she reports it. Okay, but at this point, Naomi Watts has walked out yes. of the treehouse. These things are happening concurrently. Okay, like so, really fast, all of a sudden. Right, they play fast and loose with time because yeah, it also it, takes her like twenty minutes to drive. It doesn't matter it to doesn't the treehouse, but one minute. Come on, come on, we don't have much time. Okay, okay. So so the principal goes off to make a phone call, right? Naomi Watts, Naomi Watts comes head to head with Dean Nor. She's holding this assault she rifle. She puts the gun like down next to her. Right. She doesn't even leave it in the treehouse. And he's like, what's and going he's on like, here? What are you what doing? What are you doing? Not like, you have a gun. I could yeah. shoot you. Yeah. Who made this treehouse? It's lovely. <laughs> Is that a fridge? Yeah. Uh, he's and, like, what are you doing? And she's sort of like, I know what you're up to. I've got you I've seen you. And he's like, you don't like have any proof. You don't know what you're talking Who about. Who you think they're going to believe? The chief of police or a right. single mother? And she's like, well, fuck you because I'm on it. And She's like, like I'm calling the cops. You. And I'm... he's like, I'm calling the cops first. They're going to fucking arrest you for slander. So yeah. she drives back to the talent show thinking that she's going to get arrested. Thinking she's For in trouble. Slander? I don't know. Whatever he says. It doesn't Conspiracy, matter. Conspiracy. It you doesn't know? matter. Attempted murder. And then he goes back home and he gets a call from his brother or whoever, like some other cop, right. where they're like, I got to open this investigation. There's too much heat like, on this. It's too much. I'm sorry. I can't hold it off know? anymore. And he's like, sort of like, oh, okay, okay. Puts it off. What does he do, Griffin? Well, because as she's driving back to the talent show, you hear the sirens and she's like, oh, fuck, I got to drop the the cops they're chasing me nope those cops are going to his house because the principal called he hears the sirens arrive outside his door yeah Yeah, saw that coming right um oh clean the real perfect murder um so she gets back to the talent show just in time as peter's about to do his magic act as peter the great peter has said already like lee pace asks like what are you doing oh because she invites lee pace the the doctor's there and he's like what are you doing he's like i'm gonna do a magic trick because he wants his mom to to he gets on stage 
He gets on stage oh and he's God. like, I will bring my brother back to life. And everyone's like, oh. No, I know. this. Fuck. I actually like this one because everyone in the theater, and imagine being like, you know, this is small town. You know yeah. this kid's brother's dead. You're at the school talent show. And suddenly, like, it's a real wild card. Uh, You're like, wait, what the fuck's this kid going to do? I think he do? says, I'm going to make my brother reappear. Maybe that's And everyone's it. like, yeesh. Mm. It's like, is he going to take out a corpse? What the fuck is going on? He's got like a treasure. He's got like a chest. He's got a cape and a little top hat. He looks adorable. <gasps> Jacob Tremblay rules. Cute kid. He's going to look like me in five years. But for now, he's cute. Opens the chest. Taps the chest with his wand. Chest blows open. What comes out? Soap flakes. Oh, like the it's time. Like the thing he did. And then they fall from the rafters. Like he set up bags throughout the school auditorium. He rigged the entire auditorium. Everyone's like, oh, which mostly I think they're just like, oh, thank God he didn't do something weird. But also they're applauding as if they're like, oh, that famous Henry's climbing Mount Everest. I, I think they're just Everyone happy. knows about it. I think they're just happy he didn't like burst into tears. But it's not an impressive magic trick. Oh, I don't know. He's, how do you get the flakes to come out of the chest? You're, you're he put flakes in a chest. Yeah, Why listen up, man. man flakes, they come out everywhere. Oh, flake man, they could call No him. one in the audience says no emotional res- resonance for them, and they'd be like, how does this relate to his brother? What's Was he a soap flake fanatic? This fucking movie. Okay, so then they get and out of the performance, and she's flirting with Lee Pace, and they see the cops, and she's like, oh, fuck. Okay, I'm going to get arrested. And then the principal's like... So uh, Glenn Sickleman shot himself in the head. Yeah, and they tell Christina, and she has no reaction, really, because she's not a character in the movie and can't act. Uh, yeah, she's not an actress, uh, and yeah. she's not a character. Cut to courthouse, and the judge, like, voiceover from judge, like, I do declare, uh, God bless America, that you Full will be the mother of her forever, in yeah. perpetuity, unbreakably. Enchilada number one, enchilada yes. number two, she's They're tucking a man. High five. Christina has maybe two lines in this scene where she goes like, love you, or I like, you. lights off. I'm happy now. Yeah. Uh, and she's reading them a storybook that she wrote because we've forgotten. In the first scene, they vaguely established that she wants to write children's Yeah, books. and she reads them a children's story that she has written, and Henry's like, <laughs> derivative. Yeah, characters are <laughs> way too predictable. And now she reads it to the two kids who don't fucking suck. <laughs> and they're like, that story's they're great, like, That's mom. That's nice, mom. Thanks for writing a story for us yeah, she, rather than like reading Chicka Chicka Boom Boom again or whatever. Tucks it under her arm, goes downstairs, does as you do, the ritual burning of my dead son's <laughs> book and audio tapes. So there's no evidence. And Throwing away down a dam of the high-powered rifle I spent eleven hundred dollars right. on. And then what's the last shot of the movie? Uh, I th- isn't it just the lights out thing? I think it's the lights out yeah, thing. Yeah, she just and like tucks the kids Stevie into Nicks bed. cover. Yeah. How we doing? See my reflection. Two minutes. Yeah, we did it. I mean, Guys we did. Did it. did it. I mean, that sounds like. Trash. Yeah. That's yeah, a real it's hot trash. Fucking movie. I can't even believe that that is a thing that's existing. It right takes now. a couple left turns. That one. Yeah, but I keep on hearing people talk about like the big twists in the movie, and it's like I don't think this is a twist movie. There's I two think, twists. I think the twists are it does things that movies shouldn't do. Fine, but I mean, look, look, the trailers, for example. One thing that's funny about the trailers is they do foreshadow that she's gonna buy a gun and try and kill this guy but they don't tell you that Henry dies so but weirdly I, they hide the first twist but not the second but twist but I remember watching the trailer and being like it's so clear Henry dies because at a certain point it's in the trailer Henry dies. she's, she's only reading it. his book and he's not there I know but the whole and she's saying like Henry wrote it all in the book they're I, talking about I him know, in a weird I, distant way but like the thing about this movie was look we all know Colin Trevorrow. He made Jurassic World then he gets episode 9 but then everyone's like oh he did make this thing in between book of Henry and no one's excited, but it's not like, you know, you're like, oh, this will be a bomb. Right. 
I certainly didn't think it would be a bomb. I thought it would be okay. Because I remember saying I to people, probably be safety not guarantee level where I was like, I don't like it, yeah, but at least cares? it's a this movie. movie sucks, you know. but whatever. And then the trailer posts, and it's about like first half of the trailer is like an annoying kid, and the second half of the trailer is like Naomi Watts murder, and you're like, everyone was like, what the fuck is this? Like that was sort of what happened. And then you see the movie, and it's even crazier. The trailer didn't misrepresent the movie; it actually tried to make it look more normal than it is. Right. And um, you're left wondering, what the fuck did he think he was making? Because it doesn't feel like this movie got away from him. It doesn't feel like he lost control. It feels like he greatly miscalculated the appeal of this story. And there were certain passages of dialogue that really fucking drove me insane. I got, I got a, a literal headache watching this movie. And I had, like, slept well, ate yeah. well, like, had no other reason other than this movie was, like, hurting my brain. Yeah. So I wanted to quote some specific passages of dialogue. And Emily Yoshida uh, sent, sent me oh, no. a, uh, a PDF of the script, but it turned out to be a draft from, like... Yeah, because this script's been kicking around forever. Right. There it is, yeah. So I started leafing through the script to find the dialogue passages I was looking for, and they weren't in there, and started to realize, oh, Colin Trevorrow did, like, a heavy rewrite oh, sure. on this. Or he, someone he did. did. The, change the dialogue. So I looked through a lot of this, and Look, guess I'll what? Admit this, the dialogue in that script ain't good either. No. Yeah. No, but a lot of logic apps, like, Peter is with her on the murder for the entire movie in that draft of the script. Uh, yeah. Which explains why, like, he isn't just fucking ignored. Like, there's certain yeah, things that I track see, better. I can see why you take him out, because it makes no sense, even in the twisted but logic of this movie. it doesn't make sense either way. Like, Nothing in the movie mm. fucking makes sense. Who do you think this movie is for? No, well, that's... Okay, look. Here's my here's my thinking. Yeah. He read this script, and he thought, this is crazy. Yeah. As I, Which is the only reason I assume this script's kicked around for so long, where it's yeah. like, wow, if someone could really nail the, the basically halfway through turn of this movie from family drama into thriller... That'd be like nothing you'd ever seen. Before. Okay, but fundamental problem: both halves of the movie, as written, are bad. Oh, like there's I a don't jarring disagree. shift between the two. I know, but yeah, I'm just saying. I'm trying to, you know, why else would you sure. take this script? Well, like, I'll tell you my hot take. Okay. As far as I can tell, the one thing that seems to be like across the board in Colin Trevorrow's career, his three movies that I don't like, but also all interviews I've read with him, is that he loves this idea of like upending audience expectations. Which yeah. is his defense of them murdering the assistant so horribly yeah. in, in Jurassic World. Right, is he's really just trying to get a rise out of you. The ending of Safety Not Guaranteed, which is the opposite of what you think is going to happen, is him being like, ha, and you thought this. Look, honestly, look, I don't like Safety Not Guaranteed, yeah. and I don't like the ending, but I'll admit the reason that movie clicked for people. and It's because the of the ending. Is because the ending lands. Kathy Kennedy said that's the reason, or Steven Spielberg said that's the reason he gave him Jurassic World. They saw World. him like melding genre and realistic I guess so. Whatever. It's a shitty movie. He's a guy bad. who's really focused on aesthetics of the types of movies he likes and what type of movie he's trying to make, but he doesn't understand storytelling function at all. So he's attracted to things where it's like, well, the audience is expecting this, but I'm upending expectations. But it's like he's deconstructing things that haven't been constructed yet. You know? Like, he doesn't understand how to make something work in order to upend it. And so you're left with these situations where it's like he thinks it's funny to have the secretary get murdered in Jurassic World because usually the villain gets brutally murdered and someone sure. who's innocuous doesn't get hurt that bad. Not murdered. Dinosaurs don't murder The pterodactyls people. murder. Kill. She's killed. 
brutally. <laughs> yeah, it's quite it's quite jarring. As I said, I have never seen a filmmaker have that much fun killing off a character since the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark when all the Nazis have their faces melted yeah, off. No, it, the punishment did not fit the crime, put right? it that way. Anyway. But but I think what he likes about it was he was like, well, I was upending the expectations of genre work in this. And it's like, okay, but if you're not doing it for a reason other than to do the opposite of what people think you should be doing, mm-hmm. then guess what? Either it doesn't work or the people who are enjoying it are enjoying it for the wrong reason. Because if someone's liking watching that woman get torn apart by dinosaurs, it's because they're like, yeah, fucking she sucks. She was trying to get married. Bridezilla. So to kind of connect it to this movie, are you, do you think that he read the script and he was like, People never make movies about kids dying of cancer Correct. and then people getting murdered and In you know mo- molestation scenario. happening. I'm gonna make this yeah. to just I think blow it all people's minds. It'll yeah. it'll surprise. People. I think he was like, a this is a, a screenplay chock full of things people aren't supposed to do in screenplays, Ugh. which to me feels like it's playing with the tropes and expectations when right. it's just badly conceptualized. Has yeah. he done any interviews about this movie? Yes, though? he has. I've read a bunch of them. Really? There's a slash film one where he talks a lot like about, about it, like after. Yes. Uh, right. I mean, it was it was uh, yeah, 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 yeah. like you know published this week, presumably was uh, an interview done after someone had seen a screening of the movie. Yeah, and he said that was the whole thing was just like you know that twist is so crazy and it's like the audience has no idea what's going to happen at the movie at that point he just loves fucking with expectations but that's his only trick I know. I mean, honestly, I saw an interview with Naomi Watts where they asked her about it, yeah. and she said the same thing, where she's like, it's just so unexpected, like all the mix of tones, and I really liked that. Yeah, guess what else is unexpected? 9-11. <laughs> all right, what? What are, you, what, are you, what are you? That didn't land for me. I'm saying this movie is. Come on, relax, relax. Cut I said just because something isn't expected doesn't mean it's good. And no, the, I, this I movie don't agree. also yeah, like, it subscribes to the theory that like I'm if you put serious right things in a movie, then the movie is important. If a movie has cancer and it has murder right. and it has molestation, molestation yeah. in it, then oh my god, it's a movie about real topics. Yeah, but I mean like. I'm reading this interview with him, and yeah, I mean, it's clearly my reading was right, which is he just thinks, hey, man, there's nothing like this, so if I get it right, like, it'll be like nothing else anyone's ever seen. It'll stick out. But there's an arrogance to that, I guess, obviously. And he strikes me as an arrogant man. When he talks about himself in his films, he is very self-impressed. Very self-congratulatory. Uh, uh, that's fine. I, I agree with you. Although, again, I don't really want to kick the guy when he's down. But he, he look, he's down. Little, he's about to fucking make Star Wars episode little, nine. I, I know he's a little. He's a little annoying. I will allow. Um, but he's getting away with it. The perfect crime. <laughs> Even better than what Henry wrote. But beyond that, it's it's more like there's a difference between reading a bad script and saying I can make a good movie out of this. And Especially when he wrote it, rewrote it to make it worse. Well, yeah, but from an already Griffin, terrible base. For fuck's sake! Yes, we know you don't like the movie, but I'm saying he rewrote it trying to make it better, right? Like, there's one re- that you can read a bad script and say, you know what? I could try to just totally rework this movie, make it good. Sure. Or you could read a bad script and be like, what's bad about this script? Is good, which is what he did. But but also what I found in a lot of his rewrites were that things that were played a little more straight, right? Yeah. Once it takes the turn and becomes a little darker, right. he tried to infuse some more jokes, some more lighthearted amblinisms to right. into like it he made it more tonally confused. Because sure. he wanted this light touch. All the stuff I with the invention. The Rube his... Goldberg machine isn't in right. the original draft. He added all the whimsical that's right. elements. That's just his vibe, right? Because right. like that's, that's kind of what Safety Not Guaranteed is like. But that's totally running counter to everything else the movie's doing. 
Yeah, but it, come on, it was always going to be bad. I agree, but there's like, no good version of this movie. I agree, right? I agree, but his wait, is there? No, like there's no director who's going to look at this and be like, "Oh, I have the take." Like, you'd have to totally okay, gut the, it. Here's here's my my take on that. The second Naomi Watts' character reads his plan to murder the guy, she goes, "I'm an adult. Murder isn't the answer. I will figure out how to get him arrested." So right, I think there's but then no you don't way have you, a movie, right. right? I think what you said at the beginning, the only way you have a movie is if the movie is Henry Wonderkin super genius who tries to pull off this murder and doesn't understand how the world works and realizes the limitations of his own knowledge. I think the second it does the pass off to the mom having to commit the crime, it makes the character just implode because you're like I can't take this woman seriously if she's actually going through with this. I have a big question for you. The Box question. Office? Let's play the box office game, and then I have a question. Okay. And then, we'll, then we're done. Okay. This weekend's box office. Yeah, I mean, we're recording this on Saturday, so there are already estimates. But it looks like Cars, I, I mean, I think Cars is going to do around 50, 52. Yeah, I can either give you the Fridays, or I can give you the box office estimates. I mean, it's actually an interesting week at the box office, but well, not I mean, because what, of the book of Cars is like 52, Wonder Woman's going to do like 40, All Eyes on Me is going to do like 34, 35? Uh, 32, okay. according to this. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Cars 3, uh, 51, not great. No, first Cars, I think, open a 60, second one opened a 70. Not great, Bob. So it's the I mean, lowest. I know not the, great, Bob. The, only, the, only, the thing they always say about Cars is, like, it doesn't matter because it's the toys the that sell. Yeah. Okay, fine. Fuck you. I think this is the last one they'll do. I they, think they'll just oh, do specials and shit after this. Uh, Wonder Woman holding 32% for $40 million. That's a very a impressive. wonderful hold. Uh, All Eyes on Me, the poorly reviewed Benny Boom Tupac biopic, yeah. but there's an audience for Starring it that Hollywood Tupac does not serve, like. so mm-hmm. people are like after it. So despite the fact that this movie's barely been advertised, it's a yeah, out-of-the-box hit. Yeah, it's going to make million. Like, twice its budget opening weekend. Yeah. yeah. Number four, fucking uh, Rough Night flopped like 10 million. I'm hearing that or or calling that uh, the the Mandy Moore Shark movie is going to end up doing more than Rough yeah. Night. It's like in a battle with right. the Mandy. One's going to do nine and one's going to do ten. Hey, forty-seven meters down. Who to thunk? Yeah, which was supposed to be DTV direct video, and then The Shallows was such a hit they were yeah. like sharks, baby. And also, uh, this is us. NBC Thursdays. I think Mandy uh, Moore sure. Star. Mandy, got yes, yeah. Uh, and then at the bottom end of this, you got The Mummy doing very poorly. You got Pirates of the Caribbean, which is doing terribly. So how many screens is Book of Henry on? Book of Henry opened on 579 screens. It's probably going to make about $2 million, I think. Really? Yeah, 11. It's number 11 at the box okay. office behind It Comes at Night. Okay. Uh, so that's pretty bad. What was the other question you were going to ask? Will Colin Trevorrow make Star Wars colon episode IX? So so here's the argument I was making to my friends last night, because a lot of people have said there's no way he gets fired off of it, okay? Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't think it's even about how bad the reviews are. I don't think it's about it's whether this about, movie It's more about they can't admit they made a mistake. What the f- <laughs> That was alarming. Sorry, yeah, that's my ringtone. Oh, cool. <laughs> Old-timey car horn. <laughs> Uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I think this movie shows such a fundamental sense of misjudgment. Mm-hmm. That is innate into him and his storytelling sensibilities. Right. That coming off of, you know, 
Force Awakens, which is the highest grossing film in history. Yes. Last Jedi, which they're apparently very happy with right now and happy right. with the job Ryan Johnson did, to then give him the third film and what's the most important film franchise going on today yeah. is a big risk. Yeah. And Hawken, my friend, said it's sort of like if uh, someone, uh, a babysitter actually accidentally murdered someone else's kids and then called you up and were like, hey, am I still on to babysit your kids this weekend? <laughs> right, right. It's like, no, you just murdered a kid. It's like, well, but it wasn't your kid. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, to me, look, if he was making, like, the, Kevin Lincoln had a good article, a uh, friend of David Sims, Kevin Lincoln, in Vulture, that was like, it's not like Trank fucking up Fantastic Four because that's the main event. Fucking right. up the side event right. is not as bad. Right. To me, the only argument is like it's Star Wars Episode Nine. You it's have to like deal the with the death of Princess Leia. Yeah, you're dealing with Carrie Fisher dying, but it's the conclusion Sensitive. of this very popular so far series of films. And Kathy Kennedy's got a strong grip. You so, know, she like, kicked Trank off. Gareth Edwards, she kind of put in the backseat for the reshoots. I mean, she doesn't fuck around. The only reason would be if there she was somehow worried. But I, I think there's more like a vanity to these producers. They're like, no, this is the guy. We like this guy. We pick this guy. But can but I ask why? Because I, I don't understand. He doesn't. I didn't see his like you know first feature. It, yeah. Some people like it. Um. But why is he getting pushed up in the ranks onto this? I I don't understand that at all. You know, he, is it because Spielberg he, likes him? Yeah. Or you mentioned Brad Bird. These he guys made this like feature him. that people people liked, and then he made Jurassic World, which was a surprise hit, even he's, by those. But he's apparently very good in the room. Yeah. He's but one of these guys in a meeting who talks like he knows what he's doing. Sure. But there's like a million other filmmakers out there. Why is it this guy who's like? Made, I mean, he, you know, Jurassic World was really successful yeah. in that it made a lot of money. Yeah. Um, ben, you're tapping right now into the perplexion idea. I don't get every it. single morning it. when yeah. I wake up. I go, I don't understand how this happened. Well, look, it's just going to happen. I'll say this, though. I, the, the steampunk treehouse sounds cool. <laughs> Uh, so we oversell in, that part. I, I feel like tune yeah. in next week when Ben will be broadcasting from a tr steampunk treehouse. <laughs> that's our new recording studio. I'm into um, that. So that's that's the, the book of Henry, the pot of Davy, and uh, it's my least favorite movie I've ever seen. It made me really, really angry. It's probably the worst film I've seen this year. It's very strange. It will stand, I think, the test of time as like a weird. Bad movie. I think rather so too. than a regular bad movie, especially if he goes on to continue having a successful career, it will be like, what For the sure. fuck is what this was movie? That? But I do think it will be swept under the rug practically. Like it's just gonna debut this week. It's gonna bomb. It'll be out of theaters within two or three weeks. Yeah, and we're just not gonna talk about it. I'll just say this: I think if Colin Trevorrow still ends up directing Star Wars Episode Nine, which I think unfortunately is likely, yeah, no, for sure. I imagine he will be kept on a very, very short leash. Could be. Sure. That would be my guess, is yep. that he stays on, but they kind of go like, okay, Colin. Because I know they had to throw out the screenplay they already had after Carrie Fisher died. So they're pretty early on yeah, whatever but they're working on. You know who's writing the Star Wars Episode Nine screenplay? Yes. Colin Trevorrow. And oh, Derek Connolly, is that right. his name? His, his co writer. Yeah. So let me just say Star Wars Episode Nine, coming from the director of Book of Henry and the screenwriter of Monster Trucks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, maybe Creech will be in it. Creech could have been in this. That would have been good. God, I still got to meet Creech. You still haven't met him, huh? I haven't met him I yet. I haven't met him either. Uh, anyway, so next week, the films of Christopher Nolan Fallen. again. Well, hold on. Really quick. Yeah. Uh, just for legal reasons, we should say um, to our listeners, sure. uh, we don't condone dick punching. 
on yeah, this no, show. Yeah, no, we don't. Don't right. attack Colin Trevorrow, guys. He's don't. just a person who he's, makes movies. He's for just a sake. person. And if you happen to connect with his dick, your hand, <laughs> your listener, yeah. whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not on us. Okay, I'll say yes. I agree. Obviously, you know, we have our fun. We do our bits. I don't actually think that anyone should punch Colin no. Trevorrow in the penis. I'm sure he's fine. But I'll say yeah. this. If for whatever reason you oh, were interested, go into the basement, open up the safe. The safe. The I have code. left for you a bunch of mini cassettes. The code is plug. one, two, three. And I figured it out. The perfect crime. The perfect crime. No <laughs> one will ever see it coming. Colin Trevorrow in the penis. You're going to need a Rube Goldberg puncher. <laughs> and you got to throw a Rube penis machine. You got to throw the machine into the river when you're done. <laughs> All right. That was the book of Henry because you demanded it. I hope you weirdos. Liked it. Well, thanks. I mean, I don't. I wasn't gonna see that movie, but now I'm definitely never yeah, ever don't, going don't, to. Don't. No. No. Yeah. Don't do it. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Yep. Go to blankies.reddit.com yeah, for Reddit. some nerdy shit. Sure. Um, thanks to Ange for Gudo for our social media. Yep. Thank you to Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds for artwork. Yeah. Lee Montgomery for our theme song. Yeah. And as always, this is why there is no other option than punching uh. Colin Trevorrow in the penis. <laughs>